Hi, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron, I'm joined today by my wife, Lindsay. Welcome, we're so excited to have you here. If you're new to New City or you wanna learn more about the church or connect, you can visit us online at newcity.us connect. Thanks so much for tuning in with us this morning. Let's get ready for a great morning worship. Well, welcome to New City Online. We're glad you're here with us. It says in Psalm 105, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. So let's rejoice and sing together today. From the rising of the sun to the ending of the day, one name alone be praised. Every nation, tribe, and all creation lifting up your name alone we
Thank you for joining us in worship today. What a beautiful time that we can all be together and worship Jesus together, no matter where you are in the world or in our city. It's just a really beautiful thing that we're able to do during this time. If you're worshiping today with your family and your children, we wanted to tell you about something that we've really, really loved in this season as parents. If you go to our website, there's a ton of next-gen resources for your kids. At newcity.us slash nextgen, you're gonna be able to find all resources ranging from ways to talk to your kids about things that are going on in the world right now, and even they're gonna have their materials for the week that they can watch all the videos depending on their grade level and age, and they can explore videos, questions, and things like that to help them really have their own worship experience. We personally like to turn that on after the big sermon is over and let them have their time together worshiping at home. And we love it when our next gen students and kids serve. And we've seen an amazing way that a couple of kids have served this week, in fact, Two girls from our New City family, they decided they were going to start a popsicle stand in order to raise money for our School Spirit project. And they did, and they raised $75 for School Spirit. And that project's still going on as a reminder, so if you want to learn more, go to newcity.us slash schoolspirit. That's awesome. We are going to take an offering at this time, which is a little non-traditional because we're giving online right now. But if you feel compelled to give and you call New City your home, we welcome your offerings. You can go online at newcity.us slash give to make your offering today. If y'all will please join me to pray over this offering. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this week, this opportunity to give, to serve, and to further your kingdom, Lord. We ask that you take this offering and that you bless it and multiply it and help us to continue your good works in our city and in our world. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so excited about a brand new series starting the day on the book of Nehemiah. So here's Chris Payne with part one. New City family, we're so glad to have you joining us today, whether you're watching via New City online or at one of our locations. We're grateful to be worshiping together today. Last week, we were able to regather across our local uh, campuses here in the Charlotte area. We experienced an earthquake in the morning. That was different. And then we had a rainbow after our final service at our Idlewild campus, which is meeting at Cokesbury United Methodist Church right there on Idlewild Road. If you're in the Charlotte area, you know right where that is. And we had a, we had a rainbow right over the service, uh, just reminding us, right, of God's promises and his presence with us. And so we're grateful, especially in this season of crisis and lots of different storms that are happening, that, that God's reminding us over and over and over again of his faithfulness, of his goodness, of his promises. And he did so last week, and we're grateful to be gathered together again this week uh, for worship. We're starting a brand new series uh, through the book of Nehemiah. And this series is going to actually run all the way throughout uh, the course of the fall. So I want to encourage you to continue to join us as we dive into the book, a study of, a, of an incredible person and just leader for God. And, and just stick with us, whether it's, again, across one of our locations here in the Charlotte area or New City Online. We're excited to gather together and start a brand new series today. Before we jump into Nehemiah, chapter one. Let me just give a, a little bit of New City Family news. We're, we're right on the tail end of our school spirit project. We're wrapping up in the next week. And I want to encourage you, 
if God lays it on your heart to, to give to it uh, because it's such an, a, a worthy endeavor as we partner with two different of our, our local schools here in the Charlotte area, Idlewild Elementary, Greenway Park Elementary to provide school supplies uh, st- to, to students and teachers alike. And, and maybe now more than ever, right, uh, as school looks different, uh, as many students are, are working from home, at least to start the year, we want to be really great partners with our two schools and just provide uh, school supplies and kind of take that in the midst of all kinds of uncertainty to take that uncertainty off the table, that you're going to have school supplies, that you're going to be ready day one. And so that's what this project is all about. And so we're delivering school supplies uh, to each of those schools, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. You can do so by giving a gift online, newcity.us give, or you can click on the New City app under the banner uh, and find out more about the project and how you can give there. And speaking of school, as we start the sermon today, uh, I want to pray for you. I want to pray specifically for all of our students, all of our teachers and administrators, all of our parents, grandparents, as we prepare to, uh, to send our students back uh, into a school year that, that looks very different. Some of you are going to a physical location. Uh, some of you are, are going online. Some of you are doing a hybrid thing. But more than anything, we want to pray for you as a church that God would meet you and use this year, a year unlike any other, um, for you to, to, to not only bring about you know, his gospel renewal and purposes where you are, but just for God to receive a lot of glory and credit through your life as you go back to school, many of you this week. So let's, uh, let's open to Nehemiah chapter one and let's begin by praying together and specifically for our students and teachers and administrators today. Let's pray. God, thank you for m- so much for this day that you have made. And we do as a church family, we rejoice and we're really glad in it. We're grateful for the opportunity uh, to gather together um, and to worship. And we do want to pray for each and every one of our students today, uh, for all of our New City family, that that as they go back to school, that you would be with them, that you would have your hand on them, that you would protect them, uh, that you would work through them this year to bring your glory uh, to wherever they might be, whether it's online or at a a physical location or a hybrid situation, whatever that might look like, which is so different this year and probably very unexpected. We just pray that you would go before them and use them in the ways that you see fit, that you would would, uh, work in them to to grow them um, in spirit and in truth. Um, And again, that you would work through them. We pray for all of our teachers and administrators, our principals, um, just every single person that's going back to school, uh, that you would protect them as well and you would work through them. May they be your hands and your feet this year um, like no other. And God, we we pray for all of the kids um, in our city um, that are returning to school. Um, that you would work through them, that you would uh, use uh, this year as a year that they can grow um, closer to you and that they would know your love, Jesus. And, and we even pray for um, our School Spirit Project, this, this small way um, that we're partnering and contributing, that, that, that in that small way that you would multiply it and use it to help every single student to know that they are loved, uh, that you have a purpose for them, Um, And may this year be a part of growing them closer to you, Jesus. That's ultimately what we pray, that your will would be done and every one of our students would know you and grow closer to you this year, Jesus. And so we pray that together as a church family in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said together, amen, amen. Well, George Bernard Shaw wrote in The Devil's Disciple, his play, he wrote, the worst sin towards fellow creatures is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. That is the essence, Shaw wrote, of inhumanity. It's it's not to hate people, but it's to be indifferent towards them. 
that, that's the very essence, the heart, uh, Shaw wrote, of, of what it means to be inhumane towards another person. To say it another way, this was, this was sort of the teaching that Jesus gave in the Good Samaritan when he talked about the people that passed by, the one who needed help. And, and basically they just crossed their arms and, and shrugged their shoulders and said, why should I care? What do I have to do with this? Why should this person's need, uh, this group's concern, why, why should it trouble me? Why should I care? And, and I think you would agree with me in a, in, a, in a time that's unprecedented in so, so many ways, in a time of, of crisis and, and, and storm and uncertainty, it's, it's really easy for us to begin to cross our arms and shrug our shoulders and to just be indifferent, to not really care. As we start this study on the book of Nehemiah, more than anything else as we're introduced to the person of Nehemiah, God's leader in this generation, more than anything else about Nehemiah, what we have to start with is that Nehemiah was a person that cared. He didn't cross his arms. He didn't shrug his shoulders and say, why should I care? He wasn't indifferent in his attitude. No, just conversely, he leaned in and showed great concern and care. It's so easy for each and every one of us, especially in times of uncertainty and crisis, again, to cross our arms, to sort of lean back, to step away, to back up, and to, to just be a critic and to criticize other people, to criticize other leaders, to criticize organizations, to, to just be critical instead of leaning in and caring, or, or, or maybe even more, to, to just seek comfort, to cross our arms and shrug our shoulders and, and, and be critical and to, to, to step back and to seek just comfort in our own lives instead of entering into the, the danger, if you will, to entering into the, to the trouble. Nehemiah, more than anything, as we, as we begin this study, was a, was a leader and a person that cared. But, but I think you would agree with me in this too, guys that there's a price to pay for caring. When you care, when you, when you put your heart out there, when you refuse to, to, to fold your arms and shrug your shoulders and step away, when you lean in and you care, there's a price to pay. C.S. Lewis said this in The Four Loves, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. The, the price to pay for, for caring, for not being indifferent, is, is, is heartbreak. It, it's oftentimes to, to have your heart sort of wrung out, to, to, to have your heart broken. But Nehemiah is going to give us such a great example together that it's worth it. That it's worth it because he is a person that answers God's question, does anyone care with a resounding Yes, and we're going to see some specific ways today in chapter one as we sort of build this foundation for his life of care, of, of how he demonstrates that care and encouragement and concern for other people. The, the, the key verse for our series as we begin our study of Nehemiah, because we're going to break it out into two different distinctive series because it's 13 chapters. Again, we're going to, we're going to be in this study throughout the fall, and I want to encourage you to, to continue to lean in and join us uh, throughout the study. We're going to break it down in two different sections. The first 
first is going to be a section entitled Rebuilding, and you'll see in just a moment why we entitled it Rebuilding. And then the second uh, section that we'll get to later this fall is Renewal, and, and we'll talk about the importance of that. But let's, let's start with Rebuilding and the key verse from God's Word that this uh, part of our series is built from, from the book of Nehemiah. So if you're following along on our app, the, the outline is already preloaded, the passage is already there for you to read. I want to encourage you to open in, to, uh, to Nehemiah chapter 2 as we look at the, the key passage that this first part of our series in Nehemiah rebuilding uh, comes from. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. This is Nehemiah writing. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. And I, I want to point out real quickly the pronoun that Nehemiah uses here as he tells the story and Ezra captures it in the book. He's, he's speaking as if he's a part of it. Not, not a, not, it's not just their problem. It's, it's not just that, that person's problem or, or that group's problem or that nation's problem. It's, it's our issue. It's our problem. It's, it's our trouble. The, the trouble that we are in, Nehemiah says, Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned. Come, let, here's another pronoun, us, you know, uh, uh, he's taking responsibility collectively. Let us, and here's our word for this series, this first part of Nehemiah, let us rebuild Jerusalem's walls so that we will no longer be a disgrace. What does it look like to rebuild? And then later on in the series, what does it look like to renew? Because they're both important. The, the rebuilding of the walls, the rebuilding of the structure, the physical uh, re rebuilding, the organizational rebuilding, but it all leads to something inward, an inward renewal, something very uh, spiritual that God is doing, not just externally, but internally in the life of the nation of Israel and specifically the people that Nehemiah is caring for. So as we start this, this first part of the section on, on rebuilding, let's, let's look specifically, because again, all of this starts with Nehemiah being a person that cared, a leader that refused to cross his arms, refused to shrug his shoulders, to step back and into his comfort or to his just criticism of other people, and instead leaned in and cared. And he did that in some specific ways. So again, if you have your, uh, your scriptures open in Nehemiah 1 with me, it's preloaded right there in the app. And let's follow along in chapter 1 as we start this first part of our series in Nehemiah, Rebuilding, by looking at the ways that Nehemiah cared. Because what you're going to see here, right, what you're going to see is, is, is really a lead and a person that has so many incredible attributes. I love what Max Licata says. He says that, that Nehemiah had the, the tenderness and commitment of Lincoln, and he had the, the fire of George Patton, and he had the, the, the savvy of Winston Churchill, all in one leader. But there's, there's some context for that as we come to chapter one. And, and let's maybe just begin by setting the stage uh, as we jump in today to chapter one, by, by just the context of what is happening as we enter into Nehemiah chapter one. So let's look at some context really quick, and then we'll jump in kind of verse by verse. The book of Nehemiah was written in the late fifth century BC. So Nehemiah's ministry, if you will, takes place somewhere around 444 BC, about 500 years before the time of Christ. And the Jewish people, had been released, you know, a generation before, a hundred years before by Cyrus um, in 538. And so there's already been two waves of exiles that have returned from what was Babylon in, uh, back 
to Jerusalem. So it's been almost a hundred years since they've been free to go. And yet Nehemiah finds himself in Susa, the, the citadel, as he'll remind us here in chapter one. That's the context for all this. He's in the capital of the kingdom, the empire of Persia. And so that's the context and the setting for the book and the, and the time. And, and not only that, is, but Nehemiah reminds us here, just by way of context, that he's a cupbearer. He has a specific role in the Persian empire, the place that he finds himself in, specifically in the capital city of Susa. And so I brought a map for you to see just uh, so you can picture it. And again, get, get a little bit of historical context as we begin the study and we come into chapter one of where is Nehemiah when we find him? Well, he's serving as a cupbearer in the fifth century BC in the citadel of Susa, which is over a thousand miles from Jerusalem, where we'll kind of finish up and the rest of the story takes place. But it begins in Susa, the capital city, with him serving as a cupbearer in the royal court of the king, Artaxerxes. So he's serving a pagan king in a pagan royal court in a pagan city that's been, uh, that's been established after they defeated the Babylonians, the Persian Empire reigns. And you can see it stretches all the way from modern day India to modern day Northern Africa, a huge empire. And Nehemiah was right in the center of it. But so before I give even a little bit more context, uh, again, that's the date, that's kind of the, the, the place and what's happening. That's his role as a cupbearer. But let's talk a little bit more about what a cupbearer was because it wasn't just like a, like a modern day, you know, maybe we think about like a butler. It wasn't just that. I mean, yes, he would taste the king's food and drink, but he was in the inner circle of the king. He might have spent more time with, with King Artaxerxes, this, this pagan god who had incredible influence, maybe arguably the most powerful man in the world. Nehemiah might have been the closest person to King Artaxerxes. And he was a trusted guardian and advisor, more than just a, a food or a taster. He was someone who would offer counsel and advice and whose presence was constant with the king. And we'll see later on that the king notices him and, and, and looks to him and, and, and gives him great favor. But it's something to notice, again, just contextually as we set up the story, because because Nehemiah is in this inner circle and it says something about his character because he, after all, is a Jew, he was one of the exiles and he's being invited into the Persian kingdom, into the, the innermost circle. So again, it says something great about his character. And he is a, you know, kind of a, um, uh, in, in a long lineage of Jewish leaders who were invited into pagan empires and exerted great influence all the way back to, to Daniel. And then of course, Esther, a generation before who was in the same capital city of Susa. And, and for such a time as this was used to exert influence uh, just in the place that God had placed them. So let me just stop right here in the middle of our context and just say that God has placed you as a Christ follower wherever you might be for such a time as this and to trust that. And even if it's a, if it's a company where you don't understand why you're there, if it's in a relationship that you might un not understand, if it's in a situation that you might not understand, that God is sovereign and that God places his people in just the right places and just the right times to accomplish just the right plans. And that's what we're going to see for Nehemiah. God has placed him in the capital city, in the royal court, as the cupbearer, you know, in just the right time and place to exert just the right influence uh, to, to fulfill God's plan and his ultimate purposes.
But, but finally, you know, kind of as we look at the context, the, the, the book of Nehemiah, you need to know, was written as, as sort of Nehemiah's memoirs. It's written in first person. I want to encourage you to read it for yourself. And as we study it over the next several months, you'll see that it's, it's written from his perspective, but it's actually scribed by Ezra. And the book of Ezra, which precedes Nehemiah in the Hebrew Testament, they were written as one book. So just like Acts and the book of Luke and Acts are written together by Luke, uh, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah were written as one book by the priest Ezra. And it wasn't until the 5th century AD that the books were separated and codified in the Hebrew Testament that we have today. So as you read along in these 13 chapters, you're going to be reading the story from a first-person perspective of Nehemiah, but you need to know it was collected and it was scribed by Ezra in that way. So let's jump into chapter one. And again, all of this, you know, all of this rebuilding in this first half of the book of Nehemiah is predicated on Nehemiah being a person, a leader that cared, that refused to be a critic, that refused to just seek comfort, but instead used his position, used his life, used his influence, used everything that God had gifted him with to lean into care. And he did that in some specific ways. So if you're taking notes, I wanna encourage you to just take a couple of notes here with, with me. And there's some fill in the blanks uh, that you can fill in online on the, on the app if you're a fill in the blank type person to, to keep notes as we kind of begin here by talking about Nehemiah caring in some specific ways. First of all, Nehemiah cared as a leader, as a person, as, as God's man in that generation. Nehemiah cared by asking. He said, Chris, what, what, what does that have to do with caring? Well, look at verse two specifically. When, when, when Nehemiah begins to tell his story, he kind of frames it up and he says, you know, one of my brothers and some other men came back from Jerusalem. They traveled a thousand miles from Jerusalem back to the capital city of Susa. And in verse two, Nehemiah asked them a question. He says, I asked them concerning the Jews. I asked them a question. When you ask a question, it shows your concern. And so we, we see Nehemiah's care and his concern simply that he didn't just state his opinions about things. He, he cares enough to lean in and ask a thoughtful question. You know, some people prefer not to know what's going on, right? The whole idea that information sometimes can lead to obligation. Nehemiah wasn't concerned about that. He cared enough to ask a good and thoughtful question, specifically of the Jews that were returning from Jerusalem. He wanted to know. He, he, he was concerned. He had a care. And it showed by the questions that he asked. Let's be good question askers, not just opinion givers. Let's start by asking thoughtful questions and actually listen to the answer, which Nehemiah does. I love what Mark Twain said. He, he wrote, all you need in life is ignorance and confidence and then success is sure. Sometimes we'd rather be ignorant that can lead to, to just this confidence that we, we're just so certain that we know everything that we don't have to ask good questions. But the truth is in humility, we don't know everything. And part of the ways that we, that we can be uh, God's people, his leaders in this generation is to ask thoughtful questions. Tell me what's going on. Tell me the story. I want to know the, the, the answer. I want to know the information, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I don't just want to hear what I want to hear. I really want to lean in and ask good questions. And, and Nehemiah gets the answer, right? Read along with me here in chapter one, verse three. He gets the answer. The city is in shambles. The walls are in ruins. The city gates are, are, are being burned and we're experiencing nothing but reproach from our neighbors. 
So, so, so the nation is being criticized. It's being run over by the neighbors because, because our, our walls haven't been, been rebuilt. We're not respected as a people group. And so Nehemiah leans in and he, he cares by asking the question and then he gets the, the real answer uh, when he asks the question. So let's be curious and let's be courageous. Let's be curious and let's be courageous. One of the ways that we can show that we care is by asking questions, being curious, and then being courageous enough to listen and not just speak our opinions. Nehemiah cared by asking, but secondly, follow along with me, look at verse four. Nehemiah cares by weeping. The, the, the thing that follows asking the question and listening to the answer is Nehemiah weeping. The scripture says here in verse four, Nehemiah one, that Nehemiah sits down and he does what? He weeps for days. Now in the, in the nation of Israel, there was one day of fasting where people would fast and weep. There was one day of atonement where they were, it was prescribed that they do that. This is above and beyond what was prescribed. This is a response of a person that cares. He asked the question, he hears the news and it just hits him like a ton of bricks. And he allows himself as a person, as a leader, as a God follower to, to feel that and to weep to sit down and to weep and to cry, to care that much, to be burdened that much in his heart, to cry. Caring deeply often produces the gift of tears. And it's nothing to be ashamed about. All throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, we see God's people, men and women, who weep over what God is concerned about. Because God's asking the question, does anyone care? Does anyone care about the kingdom of God? Does anyone care about my people? Does anyone care about my purpose and what I want to accomplish here on the earth? And when God's people care enough to ask the questions and to lean in and to listen, then we also care enough to weep and to cry. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Jeremiah and Paul and Jesus lead the way for us in the scriptures, people that cared enough to sit and weep and cry over what's not right in the world. Look at verse three, there was great trouble and great shame. And then right thereafter, I sat down and I wept. When I look at what's happening in the world and the trouble in the world, that, I, that I'm not just giving my opinions and, and leaning back and shrugging my shoulders and saying, what should I care and being indifferent? I care enough to weep and to cry about what's happening. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, remember? And he cries over the city. Can I stop long enough? Here's a great question for us. Can I stop long enough to feel something deeply? I wanna be distracted with all kinds of things. I wanna look at my phone. I wanna get more information. I wanna give my opinion. I wanna move on to the next thing. Can I stop long enough to ask a question and to listen deeply? And to care enough to sit in that feeling and to weep, to cry, to let the tears come. Because tears are oftentimes a gift from the Lord. They help us to pay attention to our heart and what matters most. I love this quote. Our tears water the seeds of providence that the Lord has planted deep within our hearts. Without tears, those seeds will never grow. I love that. The, the tears that we shed are, are, are meant to water the seeds of providence that God has placed deeply within our hearts to burden ourselves for what he cares about. And, and here's a wonderful prayer for each of us. You know, God, help, help me to feel and to cry about and to feel the things and, and to be concerned with the things that you are concerned about, that you cry about, that you feel in this world. Nehemiah models that. He cared by weeping. But, but thirdly, follow along with me, he cared by praying. This beautiful prayer that's recorded in verses five through 10 in Nehemiah chapter one. Look at it with me. Nehemiah asked the question. 
He, he cares enough to sit down and feel something and to weep and to shed those tears. But it doesn't just stop there. He begins to pour out his heart and to pray through those tears. And he begins to go before God, which he, he begins with, with praise, right? Look, look at it. He says, you know, verse 5, you're an awesome God. You're a covenant-keeping God. You've been with us, God. So he begins to, to tell God all that he is. And that's how our prayer should start too. Before we get to intercession and spe- a specific ask, which, which, which Nehemiah is going to get to, we begin by stating the fact of who God is. That's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Nehemiah begins by praising God, this wonderful outline of his prayer. But then verses 6 through 9, he, can, he begins to confess sin. He, he ties the trouble that they're in to sin. And he says, obviously, this is, goes all the way back to the brokenness of the world. Things that have happened in a generation before, which Nehemiah takes responsibility for. Uh, pay attention to the pronouns in the, in, in, in the prayer. He says, our sin, the sins of, of my fathers, the sins of our generation. He's confessing all of those sins, which, which we do as well. We confess all of our sin, the ways that we fall short of the standard of God, the things that have happened in the past, the things that are happening presently that don't please God, the things that will happen in the future that don't praise, uh, um, praise God, that don't meet his standards. We confess as sin, and we do that corporately, and Nehemiah models that confession in verses 6 through 9 in Nehemiah 1. But then look at verse 10. He also demonstrates and models confidence in his prayer. I love this. Verse 10, he says, um, they are your servants praying for people. He says, they're your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. What a, what a great, confident prayer. Ultimately, God, however you're gonna choose to answer the prayer that I'm praying, ultimately it's in your strong hands. You're the one that's gonna redeem people. You're the one that's gonna bring about your purposes and your plans. So we place them into your strong, sovereign hands. That's what we see happening in Nehemiah 1, verse 10. This wonderful prayer of praise and confession and confidence. And then that leads to the fourth and final thing where we see the demonstration of Nehemiah's care as a leader, as a person, as a follower of God. Nehemiah cared by going, by raising his hand and saying, just like Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. I'm not just going to be indifferent. I'm not just going to cross my arms. I'm not just going to shrug my shoulders. I'm not just going to sidestep or take a step, step back into comfort or to criticism. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to raise my hand and say, God, how can you use me to be an answer to your prayer, to your desire, to your plan for the world? Interestingly, when we look at this first prayer that's, that's captured in, in Nehemiah chapter 1, it's the first of 12 different prayers that are captured in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah depended on God, and he demonstrates that by raising his hand and saying, I'll go. I want to be a part of the solution. I want to get the job done. I want to be a part of not just asking the question, not just crying and weeping, not just praying. All those are important to demonstrate my care, but I want to go. I want to participate. I want to be a part of the answer of what you want to do, God, in this time and in this place. And we're going to see Nehemiah all throughout the book. And again, I hope you'll follow along with me in the series and keep joining us. We're going to see him all the way through chapter 1 and through chapter 13, through rebuilding and renewal. He's going to, he's going to start with a royal robe, right, you know, in the court of King Artaxerxes. He's going to use that influence and that position, that, that place that God's put him in for such a time as this. But he's going to, he's going to take off that 
that robe and he's going to put on coveralls. And he's going to roll up his sleeves and get to work and participate in what God wants to do. And then we're going to see him. It's amazing. He takes off the coveralls and kind of, a, kind of the foreman job of reconstructing the walls and rebuilding. And he's, he's going to put on a frock. And he's going he's gonna to help spiritually, spiritually lead the nation towards renewal and this deep commitment back to God and a spiritual understanding and recommitment to what God wants to do in that generation. And, and instead of choosing safety, the safety of the royal court and the, the comfort of the royal court, he chooses the danger of the ruins of Jerusalem. And, and, and instead of being a critic and saying, well, you guys have had a, a hundred years and all these people have, have gone to Jerusalem. Surely you could have rebuilt the wall. Why, why didn't they do it? Instead of choosing that, he leans in and says, you know, here am I, God. How do you want to use me? How, how can you use my influence, my leadership, how you've gifted me ultimately as a person to be 100% all in for what you want to do? Because I care. I care. Nehemiah demonstrated to us how much he cared by, by leaning in to ask a question. What's going on? I want to know. Tell me everything and I want to listen. Nehemiah demonstrates how we can care right now, today, right where we are in our families, in our businesses, in our neighborhoods, in our relationships, that we can care by, by leaning in to ask, but we can also care by, by sitting down to weep to, to allow ourselves to feel something, to care deeply, to not be ashamed of our tears, but to know that our tears ultimately water the, the seeds of providence that God has placed deep within our hearts for such a time as this, to be his man, to be his woman for this generation, for such a time as this. I care enough to sit and to weep, but I also care enough, as, as Nehemiah demonstrates, to, to, to kneel, to get on my knees before the awesome covenant-keeping God and to pray a prayer of praise and confession and confidence that God's gonna work and we can, we can place everything into his strong and mighty hands and pray, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Nehemiah demonstrates that by, by kneeling to pray. But then finally, he raises his hand, right? He raises his hand to go and to get to work, to be a part of the solution, to get the job done. He demonstrates by, by asking and, and by sitting and by kneeling and then ultimately by, by going. The bottom line today as we begin this amazing study of Nehemiah together is that, that Nehemiah answers the question. His life answered the question uh, that God is asking, that he was asking in that generation and he's asking in our generation right now, right in this moment. God is asking the question, does anyone care? And may our answer be Nehemiah's answer. Yes, yes, we care. And we wanna be a part of what you're doing in the world to bring your kingdom, to bring your gospel renewal to our city and to our world for such a time as this. To Christ alone be the glory today. Would you join me for prayer? Father, thank you today that you are an awesome covenant keeping God. We praise you today, God. We praise you in the midst of our storm. We praise you in the midst of our crisis. We praise you just as Nehemiah did in the midst of our trouble. And we confess the ways that we fall short of your standard, of your glory. We confess our own sins personally. We, we confess our corporate sins as a church, as, a, as, a, as, as the church, capital C. We confess the sins of our nation, of our world, all the ways past, present, and future that we fall short of your plans and your standard. We confess them before you, God. But we're also confident that you're a covenant-keeping God. 
that through your hands, you're able to offer grace and mercy. And so we receive that today. And our confidence is not in of ourselves. Our confidence is in you, God. And so we place our lives back into your hands that your good purposes would be accomplished in and through them, just like you did through Nehemiah. Give us the wisdom to know what you're speaking to us through your word today, God. And now give us the courage to go and to obey. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We love you, New City. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you all so much for joining us online today. We're so happy to have you here. If you're looking for more ways to connect, please visit our Facebook group, New City Online. It's a great place to connect with other folks who are watching church virtually, to hear some words from our new online pastor, and to just touch base and figure out what's going on in the church on a daily basis. If you would, extend your hands for a benediction the day as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance to you and give you peace. We love you, New City. Have a great week.